Welcome to the Heart Kids Podcast. Join us as we explore stories of Australians impacted by childhood heart conditions. I am one of your hosts, Samuel Stolberg. I was born with a congenital heart condition and I had my first open heart surgery at the age of 26. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording on the land of the Gubby Gubby peoples, otherwise known as Queensland's Sunshine Coast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and the land that you're listening in from today. We pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Today's guest is Natasha D'Souza. Tash is a family support coordinator at HeartKids in Western Australia. In her role, which is partly based out of Perth Children's Hospital, Tash provides invaluable support to heart families. Tash knows firsthand what the CHD journey is like as she is a heart mum herself. Welcome and thank you, Natasha, for joining us. Where are you joining us from? So I'm joining you guys from Perth in Western Australia. Excellent. Uh, so how long have you been a family support coordinator uh, at HeartKids? Um, so this year I'm actually coming up to seven years since I've, I've joined and I've taken on that role here in WA. So, yeah. That's very exciting. So fill us in. What is a family support coordinator and what kind of support do you provide to families? So, I mean, to me, a family support coordinator is someone who just provides that emotional um, or experiential support to a family whilst they're going through surgery with their, their child who has congenital heart disease or even when they're just admitted to hospital for an, an illness associated with that as well. Um, so we'll go and, and visit them on the wards, have a chat, provide them with meals where we can because um, sometimes it's, it's really hard to get out of the room when, you know, you've got a young kid who doesn't want you to leave their side. So we'll go in and, and have a chat with them, take them something to eat. Um, we then also provide support whilst they're in, out of the hospital. So once they're discharged and they've gone home, we will run events like morning teas or community gatherings for, say, Mother's Day, Father's Day, just to get that community going and to get them meeting other parents who have gone through similar things with their kids. Nice. Um, so can you sort of fill us in um, or take us through what an average day might look like in your role? Well, um, us here in, in WA, we're actually pretty lucky. We're situated in an office at Perth Children's Hospital. So my average day would be arriving at the hospital, checking in, um, checking through my emails, doing any phone calls that need following up, and then we head up to the ward. Um, so we're quite unique in that we do have the access to the hospital system. We get referrals from cardiology, social work, um, other organisations which are based in the hospital. and um, so then we'll go up and even the ward staff themselves. So um, if they meet a family who hasn't heard of our kids, they will let them know and then give us a call to go and visit. So, um, yeah, we head up to the ward, go through our list of people who we need to see. Um, we'll start in ICU most often with the ones who have just come out from surgery. Um, just check in with parents, see how their child has gone with their surgery from the day previous or, you know, still in ICU for a few days. And just, yeah, chat with them in general, see if there's anything we can help them with. Otherwise, we um, move on to the, the next family. It's just literally touching base with them just to have another support, another person to chat to. You know, who knows what it's like? Who knows what it's like to sit there by the bedside waiting for that child to wake up or to get all those tubes and lines taken out, to, you know, move to the ward because, you know, then things are going the right way. Um, so we'll also visit children in NICU um, if we have a referral from the ward there. They've quite often just come over from King Eddie's, which is the neonatal hospital here, and parents sometimes are not with them if they're just newborn and the mum still needs some care. So we'll see dad, 
with the newborn. Um, otherwise, you know, they're further down the track, we'll meet both of them. Um, and then from there, we go to the cardiac ward. So all the ones who are out of ICU and just recovering or ones who were admitted for an illness, we'll go and see them there and just see what we can do to help them get through those days, the, the long days when they're in just becomes monotonous with the, with the child a little bit but you know we're there for the parents to help them get through that and see if there's anything even just a chat sometimes just helps um, them unload what they're feeling because we you know we mentioned the fact that we're not a medical professional but we are a peer yeah well um sort of something that you said resonated with me a little bit like you know I remember when I woke up in ICU from my surgery uh and my my brother in particular he's my older brother and he's as, as tough as nails but uh, when he walked in and, and saw all the needles hanging out of my neck and you know all the drips and all that sort of stuff, it, it knocked him around. So I'm sure that uh, your role is is very important to to the families, you know, especially in in um, the the surgery area. So I'm sure that your role is very rewarding and very challenging. What is the best part of your role? So the best part is oh gosh, there's there's a few. I mean. The best part is being able to provide that support to a family, knowing what they're going through and knowing that I can give them my input from what I've been through um, with my own son um, is just, it, it's nice to be able to hand on just those little bits of, of info to them. Um, but also seeing the kids recover and get home quickly, you know, see them go through like massive surgeries and come out the other end and, and go home and, you know, wait for the next stage in their journey if they have one or go on and leave it a fairly normal life. It, it's, it's really rewarding to see those outcomes um, and the, the amazing days. Or, you know, we meet a family come back in for an outpatient appointment for their follow-up and, you know, they've been discharged from cardiology because they're doing so well and you're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, those are the good days. <laughs> Beautiful story. And on the flip side of that, what is the hardest part about your role? Oh, the hard ones are those poor little bubs and children who, one, who, who don't make it through surgery, um, being there for those families who are just at the most ultimate despair in their life. They've lost their little child and, you know, everyone's done as much as they can to, to help them get to a point and um, they've done everything they can for the child, but it was just their hearts were just too damaged and and too much for their little bodies to endure. So those ones are the hard days for sure. And, and being a heart mum myself, seeing kids with similar conditions to my son, if they haven't made it, is, is really hard hitting. Um, or just kids in general who just take that time to, to recover. It, it's really heartbreaking to see their parents in there day after day, um, hoping for the best and, and they have so many setbacks and you know, eventually they come good, but those those are really hard. Yeah, I, I could imagine. I um, handed out some Christmas presents uh, a couple of years ago uh, to um, the the children's hospital up here, and uh, I walked into a room, and one of the nurses said that um, the young girl in there, she's six months old, and told me that she was in palliative care, and that's um, something that's definitely going to be etched in my memory for for a lot. So it's um, you know, tremendous the work that you're doing. So, uh, heart kids run morning teas and other events so that families can get together. Why do you think that these kind of meetings are important for parents on this journey? Um, I feel they're important so they know they're not alone. You know, you you get this diagnosis with your child or you take them through surgery and you, and you feel isolated, I've I found. Um, you know, your parents can be supportive, your friends can be supportive, but until they've had a child, 
lying in ICU with all these tubes and lines going in and out from them, you know, the worry of that day of surgery where six or seven hours you don't see your child and you just hope they wheel him back out and say, yep, everything's gone well. So forming those connections with other heart parents, I find, is the most valuable thing I could have asked for. It, it really helped me get through with my son's surgery and I hope them meeting other parents now that I support um, does the same for them. It's, it's a, the bond that unless you're in it, you, you just don't understand. Yeah, it's um, a sort of a, a sentiment that's been echoing through a lot of the podcasts that we're doing now is, is the fact that a uh, big realization that people have is is that you are not alone and you know finding that support group is is absolutely amazing. So moving on to your son, he has a heart condition. Um, we mentioned before this podcast that one of his um, issues is the same as mine. So um, <laughs> what's it like for you as a parent receiving that diagnosis for the first time? And can you tell us a little bit about your journey as a heart parent? Um, so our heart story is a little bit different to most of the families I actually come across. Um, so most of them would have been diagnosed antenatally or at birth. So, you know, it's fairly early on that these parents are going through this journey of their, their child surgery. We had Lucas at 35 weeks gestation. He was in special care for a couple of weeks, but discharged with otherwise a clean bill of health. Sent home as a normal child would be and two years down the track we took him to the doctor as he developed a, a chest infection and um, the doctor quite casually asked me who his cardiologist was and of course blank stare in my eyes um, had no idea anything was going on with his heart so she said look you know take him home get his chest clear and then bring him back which we did, and at that point she said he had a significant murmur, so we had to go and see a cardiologist, at which point he was diagnosed with a coarctation of his aorta, a bicuspid aortic valve with mild stenosis, and a small AST. <laughs> to say we were shocked would be an understatement, um, and you know, from that point we were thrown into all the tests and procedures to see the extent of what needed correcting, etc., etc. Within two months we were in surgery, they corrected the coarctation of his aorta and it was quite a textbook repair, I must say. Um, we were very, very lucky. Um, he was in ICU for two nights due to his blood pressure going through the roof post-surgery. But other than that, five days on the ward and we were home. And follow-up has been, well, was a, again a textbook follow-up. He was put on to two yearly appointments now and we see his cardiologist every two years until the next stage in his journey, which will be to repair that valve and the hole. So consider myself one of the lucky parents. He's able to live fairly normally as a, a regular child at school, no restrictions on his exercise, nothing like that. He's he's able to do what most kids can do, and we're very thankful for that. It's a blessing in disguise, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so how important was support from other uh, heart families for you at that time? Um, well, funny enough, the day of his surgery was actually the day I met Marie, who is now my co-worker. Um, <laughs> so she was the Heart Kids Support Coordinator at the time and came and saw me. So she sat down with us and me burst into a ball of tears, um, just, you know, chatting to her and, and relating to her on what she had been through with her daughter was phenomenal. And then going on to then attend events once we got Lucas home and meet other families who... I found some kids that had had similar things as Lucas and just seeing how well they were doing um, was comforting for me. But just knowing that community got what we had been through with our son was so valuable. And 
to form some friendships that have, you know, lasted from there, which is really nice. That's beautiful to hear. So can you tell us about when you first made the jump from being a heart mum to also being a support coordinator at Heart Kids? What motivated you to join Heart Kids and did the role come naturally to you? Um, so I, after Lucas' surgery, I made it my life's mission to get the word out of there about congenital heart disease and, and what these little kids go through. I had not even realised kids could get heart disease. You know, you associate heart disease with overweight, being obese, things like that, and these kids, that's not the issue for them. So I started volunteering for heart kids. I, you know, did gift wrapping. I did. I got on their gala ball committee and then I also um, started running, which I'd never done in my life. Um, I took part in the City to Surf and the HBF run for a reason to get the word out there about heart kids and to fundraise for them. And um, I just found it really rewarding. And then came to a time when Marie was about to go on holiday and I got a call from Heart Kids. They asked me if I would like to come in and have a trial as a support coordinator in Marie's absence, basically. And I was like, you know what, it would be really nice to try and give back to some other families who were going through the hell that I did. So I, I gave it a trial while she was away and on her return, they were lucky enough to receive some funding. So I... Um, took on a role as, an, as the second family support coordinator here in WA, which was pretty amazing. I was, you know, doing another job at the time, but it was something that was a no-brainer for me. When I was offered the opportunity, I jumped at it and never looked back. That's <laughs> an amazing story. It gives, gives me goosebumps. So you know firsthand what being a heart parent is like. How important do you think that shared understanding is to your role? I think um, that's pretty important just from seeing the parents and their reaction to us when we when we do visit them on the ward for that first time. Um, you know, when, you, when you're in having surgery with your child, they get bombarded with all the medical professionals coming to see them or the allied health staff coming to see them. And then we walk in and they're like, oh, it's another person coming to see us. But when we introduce ourselves and we go through and I always say, look, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not a medical person, I'm a peer. I have a heart kid who's now 11 years old and you just see this release from them and they go, oh, you just get it. You know, you know what we've been through. You've been sitting here doing the exact same and I'm like, I have Um, and I know exactly what's going through your head right now. You know, you're thinking, what did I do wrong to get him to this point or her to this point? And there's nothing that you can tell them that would would get that idea out of their head but when they, they speak to us, it's, it's a different level. Like they, there's just a, a shared notion that we know what each other's feeling and, and I feel that's really important. You know, they, they get so many people coming to see them, but yet they're willing to stop and have a chat with us because they know we know what they're doing. I'm sure that's an amazing feeling. I uh, When I've gone into the hospital wards and seen the children, like, you know, you, you sort of see the same thing. It's like, oh, it's another person. But then I get to show them my, my, uh, my zipper and that's my badge of honour. And then you can just see yeah. uh, their attitudes automatically change and you know same with the parents they're just like oh it's just another clan coming in but then you can say look i've been there i've got the same scars and it's uh it's a beautiful instantaneous connection so i completely understand that as a heart kid support worker and as a heart mum what is the one thing you would want parents navigating a new diagnosis to know i think the most important thing and, and something that was told to me by my son's cardiologist that it was not my fault there was nothing I could do in that pregnancy or prior to getting pregnant that would have prevented it. It's so spontaneous. It's so random that 
there was nothing I could do to prevent it. And that's something that in most of our cases with the heart kids, um, there's no known cause. It's just so random and spontaneous. There are a few that are genetic and those, unfortunately, they don't <laughs> they don't fit into that category and it just, it's a lot harder to, to get that across to them. But again, I mean, there's, there's nothing we could have done to, you know, to prevent this happening to their hearts. It's, it makes it difficult. It's one thing as, as a parent you can't control. But knowing that with they're born in this day and age, there's so much that can be done to assist them and help them get through. That is probably the best time for them to be around, but still hard nevertheless. But just knowing that it's not their fault because you always, you hit yourself up. But as, as, in, as a mum, you want to make sure you get the child here healthy and happy and to have that blow, it, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have any tips for parents preparing for their first appointments with the cardiologist? I guess not looking too much into what's going wrong with your, your son or daughter just because, you know, Dr. Google can be the worst thing out there. Unless you know where you're looking in and what you're looking for, it can be very detrimental to what you're actually told by your cardiologist. So don't look at anything until you, you have that reference. Take a notepad in with your appointment. Write things down because you're going to be overwhelmed by everything that is thrown at you. And if you jot things down, it might spare something on later. Or even write down some questions ahead of time so that you don't forget when you're, you're speaking to the cardiologist and they're giving you all this information. You tend to forget because there's a lot of information thrown at you. So if you've got it written down, at least you're prepared to, to go in with that and um, try and, and, unless the child has to be there for an echo, which in most cases they do, try and bring someone with you as a backup if you can. Obviously with COVID that makes life very difficult but also to have a second listening ear with you side by side to take in the things that you miss because when you hear those those few words from the cardiologist to start with, it can send your brain into a spin that you just miss everything else after that. So having that second person is vital. I, I still take a notepad into my appointments at 30 years old so because I'm guaranteed yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to miss or forget something. So. So how about preparing for surgery with their little one? Um, preparing for surgery, I mean, I guess to each, they have their own way of preparing. Some keep the kids home from school so they don't get sick. Some, you know, limit visits so that, again, so they prevent sickness with the, the kids so that, you know, they can definitely get in and have their surgery on the day that it is planned or going well in the hospital, of course. Um, but just taking things to keep you occupied so you don't sitting there mulling over things all day, you know, a mindfulness book or a colouring in book, something to read, you know, because there are times when your child will be asleep and, and um, it's quite monotonous sitting there by yourself. So things to keep you occupied so you don't feel like you're just sitting there doing, doing nothing. Um, on the day of surgery itself, get out of the hospital. Try not to walk around and wait for your child to or wait for that call to say he's in recovery or she's in recovery because that can be a very draining process itself. I went out with Hubby and, and finally got something to eat because we were just waiting all morning for him to go in and we hadn't eaten because he was two years old currently in front, in front of a fasting child. So it was a very long morning and, um, yeah, just getting out, getting some fresh air, replenishing yourself because, when they wake up from that surgery, they're going to want you there by their side. So doing whatever you can to keep yourself functioning and, you know, in a good state of mind is, is essential um, because once they're awake and they're ready to 
that recovery and and want to get out of bed and do things you like oh my goodness it's huge thing so um yeah try and rest as much as you can and and keep yourself in in check before going in especially uh looking after a two-year-old i'm sure that uh you know he bounced back fairly quickly and was a handful yes. very fast <laughs> he was not wanting to stay still at all <laughs> Yeah, I, I could imagine. Uh, you know, again, I was 27 when I had my surgery, and it was, um, uh, yeah, I, I was going stir crazy. So, when somebody donates to Heart Kids, can you give a few examples of how that money might be used to support families that you work with in your role? Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, we provide meals to families on board sometimes, um, just to help take the cost off them. If they're in for an extended stay, there is a financial assistance that we can offer them. It's, it's not a lot, but it just helps with a bill here or there. Um, but that's for people who were in for quite a long time. In the unfortunate event that a child passes away, we can also offer them some assistance with their funeral. Either that or here in WA, we are lucky enough to be able to offer them um, memorial jewellery for their children. Um, so we'll get a print either a fingerprint or a handprint or footprint from the child and put that onto a beautiful medallion, which the families can treasure as um, a memory of their loved one. Things like that, I mean, we provide care bags on the ward, so we try and put things in that will help parents whilst they're in, so things like those mindfulness books or colouring in or a warm pair of socks, you know, just to keep them warm on the ward, bottles of water, toiletries for those who have been admitted unexpectedly, you know, all of those things, the donations that, People provide go towards providing these people what they're in, and um, and the kids themselves they'll get you know a little treat or something if they we have little gifts to give them. It, it's really nice just for them in their recovery process. What do the families that you work with say about the support that Heart Kids provides to them? So over the years, we definitely have had some beautiful feedback from families. Just them saying that they having that person there who knew what they were going through was just very comforting for them knowing that they can contact us even when they're admitted down the track, you know, not just for the surgery or could be for an unrelated thing to for that same child but not related to their heart, they'll call us because they belong to our family and we'll go and see them regardless of what the child's admitted for. Um, knowing they're part of that community is, is next level. They, they know they can draw on, on the people that have supported them in their, their worst time and and that we're always there for them. So, yeah, they've, they're always very thankful that we're around to contact, even when they're not in. If they're at home and they're having a bad day, they can pick up the phone and give the call. Absolutely amazing work. So fill us in now. How is uh, Lucas's and your family's journey now on your heart journey? Yeah, so um, like I said before, we were very, very lucky in the scheme of things, considering the diagnosis he got. He's had one surgery today. He's now... 11 years old, um, he's in year six primary school, so he's off to high school next year, which he's my baby, so I'm, I'm not quite ready for that. But um, it hasn't stopped him one bit. He plays soccer four to five times in the week. He runs like there's no tomorrow, and he's, he's a pretty good little sprinter. He came runner-up champion boy last year and, and the approved as well. So he's living life as any normal child would. Obviously, in the back of my mind, there is that issue that he does have the valve and the whole issue, um, and we will need to address that at some point. But so far, so good. His cardiologist has said he's stable as, and his fitness is 
definitely helping him. So we probably won't need to touch that until he's an adult and then he can deal with that one himself. <laughs> so <laughs> mum doesn't have to get so stressed over it at that point. Um, but hoping, you know, every two years we see his cardiologist, it's always a worrying appointment. Um, I never sleep that week leading up to it. But when we walk out of there and they say, see you in two years, it's, it's a comfort. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always in the back of my head that there's something still wrong there and, you know, we'll have to address it. But for now, he's, he's a lucky little boy and, and we're lucky to have him. As, as the baby in my family, I uh, don't know, I think I can speak on my mum's behalf. I don't know whether the uh, the stress ever truly goes away for her, but um, yeah, she, I think she's slowly starting to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so that's about it for now, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Tash, as, as a mother of a heart child and as a support coordinator for Heart Kids, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us today um, and, and sharing your story. And it's uh, absolutely amazing the work that, that you're doing over there. So thank you once again. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed doing this. It's great. Our, our absolute pleasure and look forward to, to seeing Luke's journey along the way. If this episode has brought up anything for you or you need some advice or guidance on your CHD journey, you can call the Heart Kids Helpline on 1-800-432-785. To access more information as well as find out more about the support Heart Kids offers, visit the website at heartkids.org.au. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect yours or your family's health.